Hey doll! Today I am drinking Ceylon, Ceylon, Ceylon tea. I got this in the Asian store in Belfast. It was giving me such Hong Kong vibes. I used to drink this in Hong Kong. Although I used to like mix it with water because it's very sweet. Or loads of ice. Yeah, nice. And I am still knitting. I swear my mother did not help me. She is so fast at knitting. I was just like, mommy, do you want to like do a few lines of this for me? <laughs> do a few lines. But um, I was like, yeah, you want to like do a few li lines of knitting for me? And she's like, sure. And she's like watching TV and just knitting away. Like, uh, like it was like second nature. Anyway, today is a Patreon request. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for being a Patreon. And by the way, I always forget to thank my Patreons and I'm going to start doing that again. There are more episodes on the Patreon, which you can find below, linked below. There are more episodes there. And if you want to support the show and help me grow, become a Patreon. And you can get your own special episode. Okay, so let's just get into it. Do you have anything to say? No? Well, I can't hear you, so. Jill Wendy Dando was born in Somerset, England on the 9th of November, 1961. She had one older brother, Nigel, who was nine years older than her. And Jill was raised a Baptist and remained a Baptist and was devout throughout her teenage and adult life. When Jill was three years old, it was discovered that she had a hole in her heart and a blocked pulmonary artery. And when she was four, she had to have surgery on her heart. Like, open, crazy. How scary is that for a four-year-old having heart surgery? But uh, she was okay. Jill studied journalism at Cardiff Metropolitan University before going on to have a very successful journalism career. Jill's first job was a trainee reporter for the local weekly newspaper where her father and older brother worked. After five years as a print journalist, in 1985, Jill started work for BBC Radio Devon. So now she's on the radio, journalist for the radio. She then later transferred to BBC Southwest. In early 1988, Jill Dando moved from regional to national television in London to present BBC television news bulletins that aired on both BBC One and BBC Two. She has hit the big time. Eventually, Jill Dando was presenting multiple TV shows on the BBC, including Breakfast Time, Breakfast News, the BBC One O'Clock News, the BBC Six O'Clock News, a travel programme named Holiday, and the True Crime Appeal series, the infamous Crime Watch, and with her being a Baptist, the occasional songs of praise. It's all very British. <laughs> By the late 90s, Jill had one of the highest profiles of the BBC on-screen talent. She's on everything. In 1997, Jill was BBC Personality of the Year. And safe to say, by 1999, Jill was at the height of her career. A career she had worked hard to forge. She was the host and presenter of multiple BBC shows and the news. 
and on the 24th of April, she appeared on the Radio Times magazine weekly cover. I remember my parents used to get the the Radio Times. It's like how you would know what shows is coming on TV. Like, and it would be like at what time? And there would be like word searches and stuff like that. And yeah, I like the word searches and the Sudoku. And you would always end up drawing on them on the Radio Times. And there would be like little perfume samples, right? Am I right? <laughs> anyway, so Jill is on the front of the Radio Times. And also in April, she has just finished filming a BBC One series called Antique Inspectors. And Jill was asked to host the British Academy Television Awards that was going to be in May next month. Jill's personal life was going well too. In January 1999, Jill announced her engagement to Alan Farthing, a gynecologist. The couple were very excited uh, for their wedding that was due to take place on the 25th of September. Unfortunately, this day was uh, never to come. On the morning of the 26th of April in 1999, 37-year-old Jill Dando left her fiancé's house in Chiswick. She did a little bit of shopping in Hammersmith before returning to her own house in Fulham. Fulham? Jill and her fiancé were in the middle of selling their homes, so Jill didn't really visit her Fulham house that often. At 11.32am, as Jill walked up her front steps and reached for the front door, her keys in her hand, she was grabbed from behind. With his right arm, this assailant held her and forced her to the ground in such a way that her face was almost touching the tiled step on her porch. Then, with his left hand, he fired a single shot through her left temple, killing Jill Dando instantly. The bullet entered her head just above her ear. Parallel to the ground, it came out the right side of her head. Jill's next-door neighbour, Richard Hughes, heard a scream from Jill. Unfortunately, he didn't recognise the scream as one of fear. He, he thought it was like a surprise, like she was being surprised scream. And, and he didn't hear the gunshot. Richard, not realising what he was looking at, peered out his front window and made the only certain sighting of the killer. A six-foot... 40-year-old white guy. Could be anyone. He, Richard seen this guy walking away from Jill's front door. Jill's body was discovered 14 minutes later by her other neighbour. Helen called emergency services at 11.47am. Jill was taken to the nearby Charing Cross Hospital where she was declared dead on arrival at 1.03 in the afternoon. Forensic study indicated that Jill had been shot by a bullet from a 9mm short calibre semi-automatic pistol. Whatever that is. The gun was pressed against her head at the moment the shot was taken. The cartridge also appeared to have been modified, possibly to reduce the gun's charge. After the murder, there was intense media coverage. Crime Watch, the very show that Jill Dando Hosted covered the murder. Crime Watch reconstructed the murder in a hope that it would help police in the search for Jill's killer. Police believed that a case of mistaken identity was completely off the table, given the fact that the killing took place directly on the front doorsteps 
of Jill Dando's house, as well as the fact that Jill Dando was a well-known celebrity, public figure. And uh, being a public figure, this had brought her into contact with thousands of people. She knew thousands of people. And millions of people knew her. There was speculation that a criminal had hired an assassin to kill Jill to kill Jill Dando as revenge for them being convicted as a result of evidence garnered from Crime Watch, the TV show. In my opinion, that is a bit of a reach. <laughs> like, I can't believe police actually investigated this hypothesis, this idea. Like, has this ever happened? It's like, would a criminal be annoyed at the person who did, like, their sketch or took their photo? Like, it's so in inconsequential to them being caught or, you know, they're the, they're the, they're the messenger. I don't... It's just reach just reaching anyway so police looked into the criminals captured through crime watch and interviewed everyone and it was it was pointless the crime watch hitman was ruled out no shit sherlock within six months the murder investigation team had spoken to more than 2500 people and had taken over a thousand statements it was the largest criminal investigation since the hunt for the Yorkshire Ripper. Early on in the investigation, it detectives delved deeply into Jill's love life, ex-boyfriends and flings. The leading detective at the time was quoted as saying, quote, Her career must be looked at, but I do not consider it to be of equal importance to her private life. We have many possible leads, which I find this statement very sexist. Um, <laughs> she is a famous TV presenter and journalist, respected journalist. It is obviously more complicated than some love triangle, especially at this point in the investigation. If it was a jilted lover or a crazy ex, you would know by now. It's six months later. Why are you still, why are you still picking up this one idea? Months and months in, no one has really come forward with query or substantial evidence that would point to a bitter ex. Jill's brother Nigel had a thought, like had a thought that a deranged fan may have killed Jill after she had rejected his approaches, advances. And apparently this is true. Some guy had been pestering her. People didn't really, or the police didn't think it enough to be stalker level, but some guy was pestering her. They interviewed this guy and, and he was ruled out. It wasn't him. But I guess because there is a woman involved, the motive has to be sex, right? Police thought that perhaps the provocative Radio Times cover shoot where Jill was clad in leather drove some crazed fan over the edge. So I looked up this Radio Times cover and I found it. And dude, this is it. She is literally wearing a leather jacket and like a white 
like tank top or t-shirt like you can't see her shoulders you can't see her boobs there's no cleavage at all how is this provocative but anyway the police read the police read all Jill's personal diaries and there was no mention nothing that pointed suspicion to an ex or a stalker everyone they interviewed was cleared Police argued that they didn't think this was a professional hit, as they argued that a professional wouldn't use such a poor quality weapon. But I mean, like, is it really poor quality if it worked? Like, isn't that just the point? <laughs> like, how's it poor quality? Like, a dude, it worked. She's dead. The police leaned heavily into this idea of this ex, of the stalker, of the fan. Like, when... In my opinion, when you look back, in hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty. but they leaned in heavily. It's a sexy woman. Somebody must fancy her and she rejected him. Right. Anyway, so police leaned in heavily that this is a crazed fan acting on an impulsive opportunity. This assumed profile of the perpetrator led them to Barry George. It was with little progress after a year the police concentrated their efforts on Barry George. He had been named in a tip-off given to police the day after the murder. The tip-off referred to a mentally unstable man who lived just 500 yards from Jill Dando's home. Barry George fitted the psychological profile provided by forensic criminal psychiatrist, psychologist. The psychologist had urged the police to look for an obsessive loner and an obsessive loner they found. Barry had previous convictions for attempted rape and indecent assault. In the early 1980s, he was found hiding in the bushes at Kensington Palace wearing khaki fatigues, carrying rope, and a knife. Like, that's a bit much. He was described as a fantasist, uh, like living in a fantasy world, and other anti-social and attention-seeking behaviour. Um, Barry also had some experience with firearms. He spent nearly a year in the Territorial Army, and in the TA, being taught how to maintain and shoot rifles and machine guns is part of the training. So when police searched Barry George's flat, things did not look great. They found many photographs of the local women, which is so creepy. <laughs> Imagine somebody's taking a picture of you and like you don't know and then they're keeping it they're like printing it and keeping it in their house like <laughs> but they also found newspaper articles covering Jill and her fiance's relationship as well as their like plans to marry and stuff they also found four copies of a Jill Dando magazine memorial issue like four of the same copy very suspicious. Barry was put under surveillance and when police thought it was time, they arrested him. And he was charged with murder on the 20th of May 2000. So it's been like over a year later. When at the police station, 
obviously Barry was patted down or whatever. In the pocket of Barry's overcoat, a forensic scientist found a tiny particle that he claimed could have been firearms residue from the gun that was used to kill Jill Dando. At trial, Barry George pleaded innocent, telling them, look, you have the wrong man. And the thing is, is that there was always concern about Barry George being the guy. Um, This concern was widespread throughout the nation. But he was tried at the Old Bailey and found guilty by a 10 to 1 majority verdict. And he was convicted. On the 2nd of July 2001, Barry George was sentenced to life imprisonment. Now, we know, we're true crime aficionados. We know that once convicts go to jail, go to prison, they start the appeal process almost immediately. So, Barry George, he does two appeal processes over the next few years. Both are unsuccessful. But after the gun residue evidence was discredited and the evidence was excluded from the prosecution's case, Barry was allowed to make his third appeal. It was successful in November 2007 for a new trial. Appeal for a new trial, excluding the firearm residue. So basically, this firearm residue, um, other scientists were saying it is impossible to know where that firearm residue came from. And I mean, it's true. I mean, he wasn't searched until a year later and he has experience with guns that could have been there from before or from after. It's And it was a particle. It's not like a chunk. It's not like the bullet was there. Very small amount of evidence, trace evidence, again, getting people, messing up people's lives. So the original conviction was quashed and a second trial lasting eight weeks ended in Barry's acquittal on the 1st of August 2008. And uh, over this course of like Barry, George being the main suspect, Even some of the women who Barry had pestered and annoyed and, you know, flashed and was rapey towards, like, they all doubted whether Barry had the intelligence to pull off a murder like this. Like a one-shot kill with nobody seeing him without leaving any evidence. Could this guy do this? Because when Barry was tested by a psychologist, he was found to have an IQ of 75, which puts him in the lowest 5% of the population. Well, like, why not? Maybe he could. Maybe he could pull off something like that. Maybe somebody with an IQ of 75 could. I don't know. But people did doubt his ability to do this. After Barry George's acquittal, Some newspapers published articles which appeared to suggest that he was guilty and that he got away with something and he was guilty of other offences and crimes against women that he should be punished for. And, And Barry took these guys, this newspaper company, to court. It was slander. They had no journalistic 
evidence or sources for this that was just like pulling it out of the air. So yeah, he took them to court for a libel and he got some substantial uh, damages. Now, a key argument used in Barry George's defense, or rather like, I, I don't know, I can't remember what the terminology is for it, but like trying to divert attention, like suggest another suspect for the crime, perpetrator of the crime, was the Yugoslav connection. Okay, we're going to get a little bit educated here. <laughs> so this Yugoslav connection theory was front page on a couple of the newspapers like days after Jill was killed. Now I don't know much about this war but according to Wikipedia in early 1999 the UK and NATO were involved in the Kosovo war opposing Serbia. Barry's lawyer proposed that the Serbian warlord Arkan had ordered Jill Dando's assassination in retaliation for the NATO bombings of the RTS headquarters. I know, I'm also lost. Barry's lawyer suggested that Jill Dando's TV presentation three weeks earlier, which was an appeal for aid for refugees. So this appeal for the refugees fleeing may have attracted the attention of the Bosnian Serb hardliners. Jill's appeal managed to raise one million pounds in, in just 24 hours for those fleeing the latest round of ethnic cleansing in the Balkans. This is crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, I did not learn any of this in history. Nobody told me about this. I'm sorry. I don't know it. See, now this is quite big, so listen. Immediately after Jill Dando's murder, a number of telephone calls were made to the BBC and other media outlets, claiming responsibility for the killing on behalf of Serb groups. These calls stated or confirmed that the murder was revenge for the NATO bombings. A man with an Eastern European accent said on the phone to the director of the BBC, your Prime Minister Blair butchered innocent young people. We butcher back. The callers threatened further killings. It is unknown if these calls were credible. Like there's no way. Maybe they were prank. How do you, how do you find out? How do you know? As you can see again, we are back to the hitman theory. You know, that Jill Dando was taken out as like an example, you know, like a threat. We will kill one of your most loved journalists if you don't back off. So they hired a hitman to kill her. The original police investigation had explored the possibility of a hired hitman, but they argued that since Jill was living with her fiance at the time, rarely visiting her own house, it was unlikely that a professional assassin would know her movements and know that she was going to be at her Fulham house. The CCTV evidence of Jill's last journey did not show evidence of her being followed. But I've said this before, just because there's no evidence of something doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's almost like the police just don't want it to be a hitman and they refuse to look into it because it's harder because it does remind you of a hitman clean shot without many witnesses 
Cold case reviews by the police after the release of Barry concluded that Jill Dando was killed by a professional assassin in a hard contact execution. This is when pressing the gun firmly against your head will have acted as a suppressor, muffling the sound of the gunshot, as well as preventing the killer from being splattered with blood. Like, this is professional level. So basically the Serbian hitman theory was the cornerstone of the original 2001 defence trial for Barry George. But very little has been done about this since. And it's been like, what, over 20 years? But in 2019, the British National Crime Intelligence Service produced a report. It highlighted the possible connection between the bullet used to kill Jill Dando and the bullets used in assassinations in Germany. See, at the time, another opposing journalist was assassinated outside his home in Belgrade. This was literally a few days before Jill Dando's murder. Another journalist was murdered. And the cops in England are like, oh no, it must be a crazy ex-boyfriend. The method that this reporter, this journalist in Germany, he was killed in the exact same way as Jill Dando. And also in 2019, four men of the Serbian Secret Service were convicted of this murder. So this is now the leading and most agreed upon theory that Jill Dando was murdered for speaking out against the war. And so hopefully it will be solved. It could be solved, maybe. Uh, if it is this Arkin warlord, he has died since. But there might be other people who know, who knows, maybe. Watch this space. Now, I thought I may as well throw out a few of the other theories that are scattered around the internet and since the 90s. And these theories were also investigated by police over the past 20 odd years. So following the Jimmy Savile sex abuse scandal, there was a claim that Jill Dando had investigated a paedophile ring during the mid 1990s. It is rumoured that she presented her findings, like a report, to the BBC management. And it is thought that perhaps this uh, provoked a re revenge attack on Jill. They wanted her out of the way like she knew too much. Of course, the BBC denies this ever happening. No report. Jill Dando investigating. Um, but didn't they also deny that Jimmy Savile was a paedophile? So I just wanted to end on Jill Dando. Jill was universally described as a genuinely warm, kind and generous woman. She was likeable and popular with her fellow colleagues and the public at large. Jill was described as easy to work with and had none of the pretensions that are sometimes associated with those who achieve fame. She was still very down to earth. And hopefully one day, because she does deserve it, her case will be solved. Again, a huge thank you to my 
new Patreon, Sean, for requesting this case. It's um, quite a twisted little case. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot. Celebrities, Bosnian assassins, TAs with low IQ, like, oh, wrong man, appeals, gunshots, old guns, bad police work. What a lot. Anyway, subscribe and slam.